Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with Torsten Bauer, my friend from Germany who loves Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, his favorite player. We got into that because he had analyzed his collection and we had talked about this, about the Pareto principle, which is the famous 80-20 rule that is used in statistics and economics and applies to a lot. It applies to the distribution of cards in some sense. So I hope you'll enjoy intellectual conversation. Do that occasionally with Torsten. And again, thanks sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So... Again, you may want to Google Pareto Principle, P-A-R-E-T-O. He's an Italian, I don't know, economist, statistician, whatever. But uh, you can enjoy that. And uh, I enjoyed uh, talking to Torsten about that and other subjects that came up. So thanks, Torsten. Thanks, everybody. Here it is. Let's talk about the Pareto Principle, which most people know as the 80-20 rule. It applies in so many things. I have thought that if you were going to sell your cards, or if I were going to sell some cards, I think the Pareto principle applies in that I would get 80% of the money sold from 20% of my cards. The other, the 80% of the cards are going to have 20% of the value, and 20% of the cards, the best cards, are going to have 80% of the value. It suggests we should concentrate on the more expensive ones. Yeah, it's also so easy to sell the, the good cards, and it's very hard to sell the comments and insert the, the comments on low insert cards. You're not going to get as much for them and it's going to take longer and it's going to be a bigger headache. They're taking up the room. It's not efficient. And yet this can't be a hobby just of the 20%. That's why the Gini coefficient and the Pareto principle to me apply to a healthy hobby. If it's an 80-20 rule, that's better than a 90-10, 99-1 rule that 1% of the cards have 99% of the value. 80-20 it's good. That's mm -hmm. accepted. It's recognized as the, the Pareto principle. But when it gets more extreme, then that's bad. You get this inequality to where there's drastic increasing inequality is, is not healthy. This needs to be a hobby of long tail, that every card should be able to find a home. But your example of buying a, a case of, of cards from 96 or 97 to, to open it all up and look just for the case hits. What are you going to do with all the base cards? You, that's a problem. In the old days, that would have been a, a good percentage of the value would be putting together those base sets and selling those. Now, I think you can't sell them very easily, but you could sell the case hits for yeah. big bucks. I even think the value of base cards have risen. There are a lot of them and, and there's no interest. Maybe also because there are not a lot of kids and and low-end collectors in the market anymore, or not more than there used to be in the 90s and early 2000s. Well, kids who would be happy with a, a base set that had all the cards in it. But nowadays, if you had base sets that you were trying to sell, the person who would buy it would be somebody that wanted to buy it cheap, and then they'd want to go through and grade or pre-grade if there's something that's gradable in there. And that's where they would make the money. And it's almost like the other cards would be not thrown away, but discarded, not considered anything. To me, that's the problem with countries, is that you cannot ignore the least, the poor people, the, the, or the poor cards, the cards that are not so good. They still have some value, and they're not to be 
thrown in the trash or ignored. Those card companies put a lot of work in constructing those sets and putting those statistics on every card and writing those texts for each player, not for Michael Jordan only, but for every bench player who's in the set. But now all they care about is, did this guy turn out to be later great player when in yes. reality every player should have a following i agree and they're making sets smaller base sets a lot more emphasis on the inserts and the parallels and game used and autographs and things like that the very first set of trading cards i collected were wrestling cards and, and they only had base cards and i was completely into it i really loved that one of the questions you had was about the high tops and how Tops and other companies have have experimented with a, a larger format instead of two and a half by three and a half inches, two and a half by four and a half inches. So the tall boys, things like that. Mm -hmm. Hockey's done it, basketball's done it, football's done it, baseball's done it. Everybody, I'm sure, has done it, but it it fits basketball because the players are taller. But yeah. but it's never really caught on. Those jam session sets from Fleer, they, those were popular with us kids. Yeah. I have all the checks from yeah. I think they, they made it for three years, so it's not a lot of cards and there were no really high-end cards in, in the sets, but still, they were popular. But those high tops, I, I didn't even realize they existed yeah, by accident one day. Those were, ex I think, experiments because they're not doing them anymore. They did it for a year or two or three, but not more. The other thing that's unusual is that there were no case hits in those that people would say, hey, I've got to go get that because that's one of Shaq's toughest cards. Because if it was in a product that was more experimental, lower production runs, and, and if there was a case hit of a Shaq, you'd have trouble finding that. And it'd be very expensive now and difficult to find in great condition, those high tops and things like that. But I don't see it. They just they don't sell for very much. They're, no. they're not that popular. But you can't find them that much. But, but also those box topper cards, those larger cards and other, they're not very popular, I think. Right. Most people like those regular sized cards more. That's just the way it is. Well, it, it's the way it has been. And it might be the way it's going to be, but it might not. It might be that uh, Fanatics, for example, is going to mm. be doing basketball cards in a few years. And they may say, let's do a different approach to the size that will do some bigger cards because it's more creative space for the bigger card to do some different designs. And they may popularize it or, or figure out some other way to make that work. And then, because there's not the plastic sheets and the, the slabs and all that, everything requires different sizing. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> I actually don't like the bigger cards just for convenience. But if I were a more serious player collector, if I were like you, if I was a Shaq collector, I would want all those. Mm. But I'm just saying the toughest of the tall boys in basketball, the jam sessions, whatever, the toughest cards of that size is not that tough compared no, to the, the case hits of some of these others. I don't know of a case hit. No, that there's only one set. It's a... A sample set test the game test sample though those cards are pretty tough to find but those are also in, in bad condition because they were just samples i yeah. think and, and somebody is selling them really rare if you had a card in your collection and, uh, and and you have a nice collection and you said it's gone up in value but is there a limit to how much a card could go up in value before you would think i really need to sell this because 
I could take the money and do something for my family. Because some of these cards that we've talked about from 96, 97, 98 are a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <clears throat> but would you feel a moral dilemma or some discomfort if one of the cards in your collection got to be extremely valuable? Would you be tempted to sell it, to buy a new car, a new house? There's some of these cards are. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I don't have a card that's that expensive, not more than a couple of hundred bucks, but I thought about that too. If if I had such a card and if it were graded, hmm, would I be tempted to sell it? And maybe the, the answer is yes. If it's 10000 or $100,000, I could buy so many other cool cards for that. Yeah, the comparison is not the way I look at it. I encourage people to don't think, well, hey, this is such a good deal because this card is $100 and this card is better than that. So if that's $100 or $150, I'll pay that. But when you get into the tens of thousands, then you're not just comparing to other cards. You're comparing to anything that could cost mm -hmm. that much money, which can be a car. So is this card a good deal? That's a lot of money for a piece of cardboard, even yes. if it's graded and slabbed. And then there's the, the protection aspects of it. So you sh should I have it at the bank if it's so expensive? I cannot store it just in, in my house in case fire breaks or whatever. Or That's what intruder I comes or what? Yeah, I basically have the best cards at the bank. They're very safe at the bank. There's not going to be a fire. There's not going to be a flood. There's not going to be any theft. I don't need the protection of the grading. And they're not being touched. They're just privately uh, protected. In Germany, I don't know if you could insure the cards because it's not very popular to have a very expensive collection. I don't know. <laughs> you, you need somebody who, who grades your collection or just says how much it's valuable. I don't know if there's a person in Germany in an insurance company who could do that, actually. I think you could, but I think you're right. I think it would require grading and you'd mm -hmm. have to provide comps. But there's always special riders to insurance for collectibles or artwork, mm. things like that. If it was graded and you could demonstrate the established market value, then an insurance company can separately list that on your homeowners. But if you had a fire, unless it's expressly listed, they're going to say, hey, that's a piece of cardboard. Unless it was separately listed, you would, mm. you would not get anything for that. But my old company, they've acquired or they have a relationship with an insurance company. So I think they can write insurance pretty much worldwide. But I think the reason they did it is because I think you have to get it graded and they will recommend you get it graded from BGS. <laughs> and then, but, there's, but it's an international market now. You could show on eBay that you have actual sales or the auction houses that you have actual sales. But I think it's safer to keep it at the bank. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. then you don't have to pay any insurance premiums. You're paying a small amount for your safe deposit box. That's why some of these companies have, have started vaults where you can send your cards to them. But generally, they want them graded because then there's a, a unique serial number and hmm. nobody could be accused of switching it with some other one that had better condition or worse condition. Yeah. yeah. Getting cards graded from Germany is also hard. You have to ship to the company and then you have to pay the company to send it to the grading organization then you have to pay a lot of fees there and then you have to wait for a month and then goes back to the company and then it goes back to you so it's very expensive and time consuming i think some of the international people that come to the national 
Sports Collectors Convention in Chicago a few months ago. I think that's one of the reasons for on-site grading. You could bring it with you, but then that's really expensive. And hopefully you get it before you leave. You've got to get there right at the beginning. Uh, I, I popped in on Beckett grading inside their big room and they're just swamped. They have so many cars right from the beginning and they're just working all the time. But the customs and all that stuff, that's that's a challenge. I think that there are coin collectors that get their coins graded in Asia and Europe and other places. So I'm wondering if there's some workaround for coin grading that would apply to sports cards. Might even be charge free if, if it's grading because you don't buy a card, but it's only a service you're, you're doing. But I'm not sure, actually. I never. Well, because you didn't buy the card, you acquired. Mm. Okay. But, it's, but they surely they figured that out because if you had an expensive gold coin that you were getting graded, you wouldn't want to pay duty when you owned mm. it, send it off to get it graded when it came back. There's also what they call money laundering, where people in Africa, sometimes they're trying to get money out of the country. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Man!